0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Powerful in a personal way is His faithfulness. We believe and know that God is love and God is merciful and God is gracious. God is wise. God is sovereign. God is powerful. If you agree with that, God's people say... Amen, And, uh, you know, there are many attributes that we can explore and study about our God. And, uh, you know, uh, it's limitless, to be honest with you. And a lot of things that we kind of understand in our finite mind, as we study along, we kind of hit a dead wall and realize, hey, we cannot understand God to the fullest, to the extent, and, uh, and uh, where, how He knows about Himself. But as we think about the Word of God, as we think about how He explains who He is, And we are grateful that all the things that I just mentioned are true, but more so that these attributes in his divine nature are faithful. We can truly reveal and kneel in all concerning all the attributes of our God because he is faithful in them. Think about it this morning. He does not only love, but he loves faithfully. That's a different degree of understanding today. And, and uh, I could love my wife, but it, I believe it's a higher understanding and uh, more of a personal understanding if I were to say I love my wife faithfully. And, uh, of course, vice versa, if she loves me faithfully, and uh, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful uh, 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 emotional and also personal connection that I could have with her. I think about our God, that He is not only merciful, but He is merciful faithfully. And He is gracious faithfully. He is sovereign faithfully. And He is powerful faithfully. You see, His faithfulness gives an extra deep and personal impact upon our lives. And His faithfulness gives us hope in in His love and mercy and grace and sovereignty and power. I mean all of it. His faithfulness gives us hope that He never fails. Jeremiah wrote in a time of hostile and destruction in Lamentation 3, verse 22 and down to verse 24. Let's look at it together. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Let's say the next phrase together. Great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah realized, even even though he saw uh, the broken down walls, even though he saw the captivity of Israelites uh, to the Babylonians, even though he saw the destruction of the holy city, he knew that his mercy, God's mercy, was still faithful. And the Bible says in verse 24, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Because God is faithful, Jeremiah said, I am able to have hope in my God. You know, No matter what you go through in life, be sure to remind yourself that God will always be there and he will be faithful to you. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in their testimony in 1 Corinthians 1, who shall also confirm you into the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. He was saying, uh, church of Corinth, don't uh, uh, get worried, uh, don't get in any way uh, uh, frightened about the future, about where you stand. Hey, God is faithful to keep your testimony. And, uh, you know, the Church of Corinth, as we uh, have gone through it on Sunday night, I mean, it wasn't a perfect church, far from it, to be honest with you. I mean, they had a lot of problems, many problems. But Apostle Paul encouraged them in the very first chapter of the epistle. He says, God is faithful still to you. And despite all of our faults, thank God he is faithful to us. Amen. And thank God that he is always there for us. And that he will keep his testimony uh, uh, in this church and also in our lives. And he also wrote once again concerning their temptation in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. There had no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. I don't know what you're going through, and it could be trials, or it could be simple temptation in your life. Hey, God is above all those things, and God is able to help you, and he will always be there for you to guide you so that you may be a a, a Christian who is overcoming those situations. Oh, even when we sin against him, he is faithful to forgive In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We could sin tomorrow, but if we repent and ask the Lord for his forgiveness, God will forgive us. I mean, in every situation. Now, we can now abuse this grace, but thank God this is available Thank God for the high priest that opens up the Holy of Holies and let us know that we could enter and that we could find grace in time of need. Oh, let us be grateful for that, that he is able to forgive our sins. And and ladies and gentlemen, he cannot change who he is. He is forever faithful. You know, one of the most tragic events during the Reagan presidency was Sunday morning terrorist bombing of the Marine barracks in, in Beirut in which hundreds of Americans were killed and wounded as they slept. Many of us can still recall maybe the terrible scenes as the day survivors worked to dig out their trapped brothers from beneath the rubbles. I'm sure many of you who grew up in the 80s uh, 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 heard about this news and and went through this tragedy with this country. And a few days after the tragedy, uh, 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 people could recall uh, uh, an extraordinary story about a Marine The Marine Corps uh, Commandment Paul Kelly visited some of the wounded survivors in uh, Frankfurt, Germany, in the the hospital there. Among them was Corporal Jeffrey Lee Nashton, severely wounded in the incident. Nashton has so many tubes running and out of his body that a witness, as uh, as a witness uh, recalls, that he looked more like a machine than a man, but yet he survived. As Senator Kelly neared him, Nash, and struggling to move and wrecked with pain, motioned for a piece of paper and pen. He wrote a brief note and passed it back to the commandant. On the slip of paper were but two words, just two words, Samper Fi, the Latin motto of the Marines, meaning always faithful or forever faithful. You know, this man couldn't deny who he was. He says, I'm a Marine. I will always be a Marine. I will be a faithful Marine. You know, much more so, God cannot deny himself. I love 2 Timothy 2.13. Let's read this together. It's a wonderful verse, if you could. Ready? If we believe not, yet he abided faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know why God cannot be unfaithful to you? Because if he's unfaithful to you, He will deny who he is. He cannot deny himself. What a great promise that God has given us. He will always forever be faithful. That's who he is. He never changes. As God desires to recognize his faithfulness, God also wants us to recognize something else. He wishes for us to recognize that he calls us to be faithful. Now, we know that he is faithful. We thank God for that. But we also should thank God that he is calling us to be faithful in this relationship. It is written in 1 Corinthians 14, moreover, it is required to the stewards that a man be found faithful. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. That God calls us to be faithful sometimes, and, and I, I, a lot of people think that maybe God calls us to be faithful in, in the times of maybe joy, in the times of gladness. But I don't think it's only sometimes, my friend, but I believe God calls us to be faithful continuously. Jesus Christ encouraged the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, be thou faithful unto death. So how long do we need to be faithful unto death, until we take the last breath? It's not when just trials comes that, you know, uh, that we kind of, you know, uh, wave the white flag and give up. No, God says, be faithful unto death. You know, God calls us to be faithful to him as we journey on this earthly road. And this is his will for us. And it will never change. Being faithful is not a burden, by the way. But it is to be at home in safety. And also it is a blessing. It speaks of safety, security, and comfort. You know, someone has once said, God's thoughts, his will, his love, his judgments are all man's home. To thank his thoughts, to choose his will, to love his love, his loves, to judge his judgments, and thus to know that he is in us is to be at home. If it's his will for us to be faithful, then we ought to own it in our hearts. And uh, I think about a gentleman that I spoke to yesterday, and uh, he is in his retirement, and uh, uh, a lot of things that uh, I guess in his life that's been bothering him, and and we got to talk for maybe a good forty five minutes about his life, and and he shared with me very extensively about his home, his home in Alabama, and he says, you know, the city life here is so busy, and that uh, you cannot in any way just sit down and meditate and just think. A lot of people are just pulling you left and right, and you got to get so busy about your life and. You can just never open the Bible and just read for hours after hours. And he says, I really miss home. And uh, what was he saying? I miss. That safety net, I miss that security that I had in my own time. And uh, I think as we think about faithfulness, I think we need to take it that way as well. It's not in any way burdensome and in any way for us to be strained. I think it's to be at home, is to be secure, and to be where we need to be. And uh, I think when we are unfaithful, we miss home. We miss to be with God. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let us not in any way run away from home. Let us not in any way run away from faithfulness. Let us get back to faithfulness. Let us keep on reading the Bible. Let us keep on praying. Let us keep on witnessing. Let us keep on serving the Lord. Let us be found faithful in Jesus Christ. That's where home is, and that's where you feel more secure, and that's where you feel more uh, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And let us be passionate and and be established in this way, and and let us never be wavering. Oh, there's a person named Onesiphorus in the Bible. He's not well known as Paul or Peter or maybe even John, but he is mentioned two times in the New Testament, and they are both worth noting. And, uh, but in the first description of Onesiphorus, is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1 here. And this man knew that God was faithful, and he responded to him in faithfulness. He truly did live out his name, Onesiphorus. And Onesiphorus means this, bringing profit. That's what his name is, bringing profit. What a great name that is. And uh, what are we to learn from this man's testimony of faithfulness today? I'd like to share with you three notable characters of Onesiphorus that guided him to be faithful. First of all, number one, a journey without shame. Let's think about that. A journey without shame. In verse 16, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my shame simply Onesiphorus, was not ashamed of his good Christian companion and friend named Paul. Paul was a Roman prisoner in this epistle. Paul had already met with Nero, the Caesar, the crazy man at that time. Paul wrote later on that he had fought a good fight and kept the faith, one of the last letters that he wrote to his companions and friends. Paul was at the end of his life. To the eyes of the world, Paul was a fanatic. He was accused of turning the world upside down. And a lot of people will preach that phrase and and recognize that God did something with his disciples, and and, uh, we understand uh, that uh, 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 that phrase could be a positive thing, but when it's mentioned in the New Testament, it is a negative thing. And uh, it was the uh, Jews in uh, Ephesus that and, and, uh, brought an uproar in the city. And, uh, 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 and they started shouting the goddess of Diana. And, uh, and they uh, uh, mentioned Paul and the companions. Hey, the people who turned the world upside down has come here as well. And they're going to try to bring chaos here in this city. But for as as he thought about the testimony of Paul, he was not ashamed of who he was. Not just because of Paul, because of who he believed. His name is Jesus Christ. He was not afraid of, afraid of Paul's testimony and what he was doing for Christ in the, in the Roman Empire because he was doing it for Jesus. Notice with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Be not thou, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. But be thou, what's the next word there? Would you say that with me? Partaker. Partaker. Meaning get involved. Partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Get involved in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. What did Paul stand for? He stood for Jesus Christ and the gospel. And Timothy, in this letter, is encouraged to be partaker of the affliction of the gospel, meaning meaning suffer for the gospel. So for Onesiphorus not to be ashamed, it meant that he was willing to be Partaker of the gospel as well, as much as Timothy was challenged. And Apostle and Paul was delighted to mention Nisiphorus in this, in this epistle and let Timothy know that this man was faithful and this man was not ashamed of my chains and of the testimony that I had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, he was not ashamed of the testimony of our Savior. This man was not ashamed to be identified with the gospel preacher. This man was not ashamed to be identified with the gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection. He was not not ashamed to be identified with the mission work. And with the churches in the Roman Empire. or, Or also the preaching of God's word. I believe this is what God is looking for most in faithfulness. Not to be ashamed of him. I think many people... In Christendom, have been ashamed of Christ, and I including one. And I have been ashamed of Christ in some instances where I couldn't mention his name, and I was not able to witness, I was not able to ask a question, if you died today, would you know for sure, know for sure about going to heaven? I was not able to give a track, and I was not able to stand up for what was right, and, and what was holy, and what was godly. And I'm sure many of you could share the same experience, and uh, how in every way have we have uh, fallen short in faithfulness during that time. And, and as we think about that testimony, I think we are more encouraged by those things to realize that we need to be more faithful as we go along. And that we do not want to disappoint our Savior. And that when he comes back in his glory, that when he does check upon us, that we are staying faithful and we're not in any way shameful of his testimony. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 26. It says here, for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. For he shall come in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. Are you embarrassed to be a Christian today? Because if you are, Christ will be ashamed of you when he comes back. Yes, you'll be his child still and, and you'll be his, uh, 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 his own. But he says... I'll be ashamed of you if you're ashamed of me. Do you consider the preaching of God's word as offensive? You know, uh, back in VBS time last year, our pastor preached. Yeah, I mean, uh, he preached hard. I mean, remember the VBS preaching last year. Raise your hand. Okay? He preached hard. He preached so hard what broke. The pulpit broke, <laughs> and uh, it was a stand, actually, and broke, and then Brother David Dodge restored that stand. We we're still using it, amen, and it's a holy stand. We kind of keep it in a pedestal somewhere, and no, I'm just kidding, but, I mean, he preached hard. I was sitting in the back thinking, whew, pastor's at it today. <laughs> I mean, we had a full crowd. I mean, the church was packed. We had extra seats everywhere, and and all the ministry came together, had that one service, and uh I remember one visitor I was working on, and I was really expecting him to come back, and, but he never came back. And I know why. I think he got offended by the preaching of God's word. And by the way, I never say sorry about the preaching of God's word. And you never have to say sorry about the book here. I know there's a different way of presenting it, but if a person is preaching about sin... You know, you can't just quietly preach about sin. Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, let's not all sin, okay? Let's just make sure that we are doing a great job with it. No, I think we need to preach against sin. We need to preach hard against sin. I think about my daughter. I shared with you on Wednesday night that she told my uh, wife the other day before she went to sleep, as they were lying down together. She says, I ask, I ask God to forgive me every single day. My little, girl, little daughter, six-year-old, said that, and I think she's getting close to salvation. I'm praying for her. Would you pray with me for her? And, uh, and then my wife asked, did you sin today? She said, oh, no, I didn't sin today. <laughs> I'm sure she did, but she just says no. But you know why she is recognizing sin? Because through Mrs. Brooks' class and through Brother Harry's class, they're teaching them about sin. Now, they're not yelling and, you know, foaming at the mouth, okay? But they're teaching them about sin. And that helps them to, yes, be offended in their hearts, to realize they're not perfect. They have sin in their lives. But what happens when they realize it? They look for a solution. And hopefully they find Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ... He is the solution. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And, and for us to preach about sin, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of TB preachers don't want to preach about sin. They want to preach about prosperity. They want to preach about riches and health. I'll preach on that sometimes in the sense that God wants to bless you and God wants to guide you in all these different trials and temptations. But I need to preach the whole counsel of God and to preach about sin too. Because people are dying and going to hell, more than more than being poor, more than being unhealthy, their soul is dying and going to hell. That is the biggest problem for all mankind. And they should and and gentlemen, do not be ashamed of the preaching of God's word. And uh, you know, uh, many people don't want to witness and invite someone to church to be, uh, to church because it is somewhat unusual, and they don't want to give too much pressure to those people, but. Let me ask you a question this morning. When Christ went to the cross, was he ashamed? Was he ashamed of us? Was he ashamed to be crucified with sinners? Was he ashamed to die on the cross for your sins? No, he said, "Forgive them, for they know not what they do." He said, "It is finished." What's finished? Our sins. Before the cross, he even told Peter, because Peter objected for Christ to die, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. He was not ashamed to go to the hill of Golgotha. He was not shamed to be nailed there. He was not shamed to hang on that cross for three to four hours. He was not shamed to bleed there, to be with sinners. No, because he knew that he was saving souls and that he was giving life Eternal life to those who will believe. He was willing to go to the cross for us. He was not ashamed of us. I think about Hebrews twelve, verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus Christ is our inspiration. He is our motivator. We look to Him. And he is faithful, and he was faithful at the uh, hill of Golgotha. He endured the cross, and he despised the shame. And, And ladies and gentlemen, we need to do the same. We need to follow Jesus Christ that way. Jesus Christ ran his race. What we need to do is follow in that same race, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Charles Spurgeon once said this, when you have no helpers, see your helpers in God. When you have many helpers, see God in all your helpers. When you have nothing but God, see all in God. When you have everything, see God in everything. Under all conditions, stay thy heart only on the Lord. Charles Spurgeon realized that it's all about Jesus Christ. That he is the inspiration for everything. And he is a faithful one. Whether you are alone or with the crowd, God is faithful to you, and God is not ashamed of you. And let us do the same to our Savior. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter who we're with, no matter what situation, let us not be ashamed of our Savior Jesus Christ. I love Hebrews 2:11, for he, both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He is not ashamed to identify with us. Let's not be ashamed of him. Let's be faithful to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Secondly, a journey of steadfastness. Steadfastness. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Picture with me on Onesiphorus today. Going to the senators asking for Paul. Going to the centurions asking for Paul going to the court in Rome, asking for Paul, going to the keeper of the prison, asking for Paul. I mean, he sought Paul diligently. His heart was fixed, and he was established, and firm in this matter, steadfast, unmovable, about this goal, and I want to seek the man of God. I want to seek Apostle Paul. I want to, in every way, be there for him. And uh, he was called to faithfulness in this way. Oh, the Bible encourages us to do the same, to be fixed, and to be unmovable, and to be steadfast. In First Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in the Lord. You know, many Christians waver and many Christians move around. Many Christians make hasty decisions. They're double minded, they're inconsistent, and they simply quit. And some say situations are too hard, the circumstances are too complicated, and people are too much of a pressure. But, ladies and gentlemen, with those excuses, we're not founded upon a rock, but we're founded upon a sand and we're sinking. And we're not established in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every decision, every choice that we make is based upon the flesh and based upon our ideals and based upon our, I guess, best interests rather than the Word of God. Jesus Christ says, a person who hears my word and does my word is a person who builds his house upon a rock. And when the storm passes by, that house stands. And ladies and gentlemen, where are you standing today? If you want to be unmovable, if you want to be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, you must stand on the Savior, Jesus Christ. You must hear his word, and you must do his word. And do not turn away from that. Onesiphorus knew that. I've got to find Paul. This is God's call for my life i got to be a, a, a helper in need at this time. And Apostle Paul needs somebody. And, uh, you know, a lot of people sick him. Uh, Demas forsake him. And uh, 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 there are other two more preachers that forsake him, as we think about in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Apostle Paul says, only Luke is with me and bring Mark uh, with you, Timothy, because he's profitable unto me. And a lot of people forsake him. And Noah the said, you know what? I'm not going to forsake Paul. I'm not going to forsake this missionary journey. I'm not going to forsake this work. I'm not going to forsake what God has called me to be and what God has called me to do. And he was unmovable. Why? Because he was founded upon Jesus. He made his decision on Jesus. Not based on the Roman Empire. Not based on what the country is doing. Not based on the social status. Not based on what others are doing. But what Jesus wanted him to do. I read that the Old Faithful is not the tallest or largest geyser in the park, but the most faithful. How many of you have you seen the Old Faithful? Raise your hand. I've seen it. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, it's a beautiful creation of God. The Old Faithful in Yellowstone National Park gets its name from the fact that, unlike other geysers, geysers, or it follows a dependable time schedule with a margin of error of ten minutes. Old Faithful will erupt 65 minutes after an eruption lasting less than 2.5 minutes. If it will erupt 65 minutes after. If it's 90 minutes after, it will erupt lasting more than 2.5 minutes. And it's consistent like that all the way through. It faithfully shoots a, a stream of boiling water over 170 feet into the air. And the record shows that more than 137,000 eruptions have been recorded since 1870 in a, cons- in a consistent basis with those times. And scientists analyze why Old Faithful is so faithful. They study the Old Faithful, and they realize that this geyser is not connected to any other thermal feature of the upper geyser basin. Meaning it did not have any connection to other geysers around it. It was controlling its own temperature on its own. It was not based on the other geysers and what kind of temperature they produce. The other geysers are somewhat connected in that way, but this geyser alone was standing fast or, I guess, grounded firm on its own temperature. So, every 65 minutes, it will erupt for 20, 2.5 minutes. And after ninety-five minute, 91 minutes, it will last more than 2.5 minutes. And it will control its eruption on its own. That's why he is old faithful. And ladies and gentlemen, if you think about this brief illustration, you want to be faithful today. You just got to have one foundation. His name is Jesus. One foundation. You don't need to listen to anybody. You listen to Jesus. You get hot and cold based on your situation. No. You just get hot for Jesus. Okay. You stand on Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we need time in our lives when we are standing alone. Why? So that we know that we stand on Jesus. You might think, "Ah, oh, I'm so lonely. No one understands me. and You know, I feel like no one cares. I'm all by myself. But realize that when you feel that way, you come to a conclusion. Jesus is faithful. He is with me. That's how you become more faithful to Jesus. When you're all by yourself. When you're all by yourself. I think about my mother who, grew, who raised four children by herself since 1991. My dad died around 1991. We came to the States in 92. Every morning, I, not every morning, I didn't wake up that, more, or that early, but my mom did. But Once in a while, I would go to the bathroom around maybe 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. I would see the lamp on as I pass by my mother's bedroom, and she would be praying. By the way, mothers, when your children sees you pray, it leaves an impression. It leaves a lasting impression. And I know in every way that she felt very lonely. She felt very weak and unable. I remember the time when I was a teenager. I was very bad. And I know you can't imagine me being bad. You know, I'm, I'm a perfect boy, right? No, I, I was bad. I remember my mom trying to carry a heavy glass, a table, all by herself. And I was just sitting on the couch watching TV. We're lemons. <laughs> you want to discipline me right now, don't you? Okay, but anyways. <laughs> I was sitting on the couch, just, you know. And, then, and, and, and she couldn't carry it by herself, and then next thing you know, she she, she, she uh, dropped the glass, and then it broke in half, and it slid her wrist. And uh, I remember the assistant pastor, Brother Josh's uh, father, who's a pastor in New Jersey now, and he was assistant pastor at that time. And uh, I remember uh, he came over and, and bounded her up and, uh, with towels and then took her to the emergency room. And the doctor said that, man, she missed the vein just by a millimeter. And uh, you can still see her scar today. I remember when she got the secondary burn, and she was working in the restaurant, and uh, there was a hot pan of oil, and she didn't know there was hot oil in there, and she just took it, you know, because she was working fast, and that just oil poured right up on her left arm. Secondary burn, and she she, she didn't have medical insurance. She didn't even see a doctor. She just started putting salt on there for a month or so. I remember a doctor came by who used to go to the Aoki restaurant that my mom owned, and she he looked at her and he said, "What's that on your arm?" And I said, "Oh, I got burned, and then there's a, things bounded up there." And then the doctor said, "You don't have insurance?" I said, "Oh, no, we don't." He said, come to my office, I'll treat you. I don't know who that man is, but he treated her for three months or so, all free. And uh, that's God's grace. And and she's still faithful, and she kept on going, taking her kids to church. Even though kids were rebellious, even though kids weren't listening, she kept on doing what she needed to do. And by God's grace, all of our four children are at church today. And by God's grace, I'm opening the Bible and preaching to you today. And, and ladies and gentlemen, it's not because Mrs. Shin was unmovable. It's because Christ was unmovable. Christ was unmovable. You stand on Christ and you'll be faithful. It just naturally, divinely happens. You just leave it up to the Lord. So with that, number three, a journey of service. Journey of service. Verse 18, the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And how many things he ministered to me at Ephesus that I knowest very well. You know, in this affair, it was recognized by Paul, not for one thing, but for many things. This man had the joy of serving God and others over and over and over again. <laughs> I like this illustration. According to 1974 newspaper item, Leo Fortier had rung the bell of his parish church in Three Rivers, Quebec, Canada, every Sunday for 52 years. He never missed one. That's 2,704 Sundays that Leo Fortier Rung the bell in Quebec, Canada, for his church. Never missed one. He never missed a service for Christ. Question for you, you know, our life is very short. If you think about it this way, you know, 52 years, a little bit over 2,700 Sundays. That's not that many. By the way, we just had another Sunday. It's counting down. I wonder what we're going to do with those Sundays. And it doesn't matter what you do, if it's in Jesus' name, it has a reward, God's people say. You be faithful in doing what God wants you to do. It doesn't matter what you do. I recall what Christ said if you look on the screen in Mark chapter 9, verse 41. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. If you keep if you give a water in Jesus' name, Christ says, I'll remember that. I have a reward for you. Now, don't everybody do that after the service, amen? Okay. <laughs> give a cup of coffee and water in Jesus' name. Here it is in Jesus' name. <laughs> but when there's a need and you just keep a, give a cup of water to this one person, I'll remember that. We we're at mcDonald 's the other day with the other staff and the pastor was there. He called us over and he wanted to talk and have some coffee and we 're ordering our things. We order coffee and the different items and and then there was a lady next to us, a little dishambled and had a backpack, two backpacks, and just a lot of luggage in her and We realized that she she 's probably not you know stable in her life and uh and then the cashier said, Anybody else? Meaning there's you know, four people, we got ordered everything and the pastor about to pay. And he looked over and said, I'll pay for her. And she was like, Oh what? <laughs> I'll pay for her, so what do you want? And I think she ordered number five or something like that. And I saw her I saw her fist and I saw just a couple of dollars just kind of crumpled up in her hand. I don't know if the pastor saw that. But after I saw that, I realized it's good that Pastor was sensitive to her soul and to our life. You know, there are many people who just pass by in our lives that needs attention, that needs some caring. It could be your coworker today. It could be your employer. It could be your friend. It could be your neighbor. We have Resurrection Sunday coming up. You just never know that they're really interested. And you'll find out they are really interested. They are looking for a church. They need Jesus Christ. They want to hear God's word. You just never know how God has worked in their hearts. Serve the Lord while you can. Witness for Jesus Christ while you can. And share the gospel while you can. You only have one life to live. Spend it for Jesus Christ. I think about Mrs. Cole just yesterday, uh, not yesterday, the other day on Friday, and Josh and I, we went to the hotel for the conference that's holding on the 6th and the 7th. We had to book some hotels, and he needed the church credit card, and I uh, happened to have one, and so we went together to book it. And uh, while I was gone, I didn't realize Mrs. Cole came by, and Mrs. Cole just went through a very, very severe surgery in her brain, getting, getting tumor out, she went through radiation. She's going through chemo now. And uh, she's very petite. She's about, uh, I don't know, uh, not even five feet, maybe four, four foot nine. and But she's a very strong woman. And she loves the Lord. And uh, I heard she came by and uh, she got some food for some people who are preparing for uh, Benjamin's birthday. And, uh, and she got me my favorite bread. And... Uh, I remember just last year or so, and we were eating some Korean bread, bakery and stuff like that. And and I, I kind of maybe mentioned it to ladies or something as I was taking one. I said, "This is my favorite." I think Mrs. Cole remembered, and she got me three of them the other day. And then my wife told me, and I didn't get to eat it till the next day morning, and uh, because I want to save it as much as I can. Amen. No, and. uh but I really enjoyed it. As I took off each piece as, as I was eating it, I realized that someone cared for me. Someone took the time to go to a bakery and thought about me and that. Hey, he likes three breads. He likes this bread. I'm going to get three of them. And I believe all my heart, as we think about what Jesus said here, those little things that we could do for Jesus Christ or for others, I believe God will remember that and care for others. You serve at Resurrection Sunday. You serve people with food and cleaning up. You might think no one really thanked you. No one really uh, maybe paid attention to you. There's one person who's cheering you on. There's one person who thought of you. His name is Jesus. It's a great journey of service because we get to do it for Jesus. Jesus is the one we want to please. Let me finish with this. A lot of people say that you can't serve God. Ah, It's not convenient. It's not really the right timing. I heard about a missionary to Africa who told the story of an elderly woman who who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read or write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. When she got it, she asked the missionary underline John three sixteen in red and marked the page. It was so that she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do. So one day he followed her in the afternoon just before the school let out. She made her way to the front door. As the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. She was blind and she asked the boys to read. When he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? John 3.16. And she would tell him about Christ. The blind elderly lady took that opportunity every single day during the school week and shared a gospel one boy at a time. Can you read this for me? Do you know what that means? Can I tell you about Jesus Christ, what he did for me? The missionary said that 24 of those boys that she was able to lead to Christ on those afternoons became missionaries, became preachers, Why? One elderly lady said, I'm blind, I'm old, but I could still serve God. I could still be faithful to serve. What is your excuse today? Why can't you serve God? Why can't you do what you do? Serve the Lord while you can. Be faithful. And let us always be encouraged by the fact that he is faithful to us. He is faithful to us.